What does Jesus mean when he calls his audience, oh, you of little faith? Trent Griffith helps us understand. You know what he's saying? You claim to have this great big God of this great big universe, but you have this itty bitty faith in this great big God to take care of itty bitty you. Oh, you have little faith. This is what Jesus is saying. You have little faith, you're gonna have much worry. You have much faith, you're gonna have little worry. Welcome to Resonate with Trent Griffith, Senior Pastor of Gospel City Church in Granger, Indiana. I'm Aaron Paulus. Pastor Trent is continuing in the series, Out of the Crowd, Into the Kingdom. He gave this message last fall, prior to the concerns that we faced here in 2020. But the principles he shared then apply just as well today. Here's Pastor Trent. I am opening my Bible to Luke chapter 12 because we have been going verse by verse through the Gospel of Luke. If you have a Bible, I would encourage you to open your Bible to Luke chapter 12 as well. Luke chapter 12, beginning in verse 22. Jesus said to his disciples, Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, nor about your body, what you will put on, for life is more. You're gonna see that word more about five times in this paragraph of scripture, and that's a great encouragement. Do you know that Jesus wants you to have more life than you currently have? But he's gotta change our thinking about the way we view life. Jesus says life is more than food. And the body is more than clothing. Listen, you can't get to where you want to go unless you remove the roadblock of anxiety. Jesus identifies that in this passage of scripture. What is this anxiety? He uses another word later that we're familiar with. It's the word called worry. Let me give you my best definition of the word anxiety or worry. Here it is. It's a nagging concern today that chokes off a sense of security about tomorrow. I did a little research on this word worry and anxiety. Do you know it's an epidemic in our culture? Uh, I read a report, the medical news today by Tim Newman dated September the 5th, 2018. He says, in August of 2018, Barnes & Noble announced a huge increase in the sale of books about anxiety, about a 25% jump. He says, today, anxiety disorders are the most common mental illness in the United States, affecting 40 million adults, almost one in five people. The American Psychiatric Association ran a poll on 1,000 U.S. residents in 2017, and they found that nearly two-thirds were extremely or somewhat anxious about health and safety for themselves and their families, and more than two-thirds were more anxious overall this year than last year. John Price, a former psychiatrist, writes, as a practicing clinician... 
I advise my anxious patients to avoid watching TV news. Do you know the two greatest concerns of the first century disciples Jesus was speaking to here? He lists them for us. He says, do not be anxious about what you will eat and what you will wear because those were the two biggest worries that they would have something to eat and have something to wear. Listen, they ate to live. In our century, we live to eat. In their culture, they dressed for protection. In our culture, we dress for fashion. And you know what they would say to us? Surely you people have nothing to worry about. And we would argue with them, right? I'm like, oh, you just, you just don't know how hard it is to live in the 21st century. I mean, we've got to worry about our mortgages and we've got to worry about paying for college tuition. We've got to worry about our school debt. We've got to worry about uh, the leaky roof. We've got to worry about the car that needs to be repaired. We've got to worry about whether or not I'm going to get a raise. We're going to worry about our family. I'm worried about if I'm ever going to get married. I'm going to be worried now that I am married. I'm going to stay married. And now I'm worried about wondering, why did I even get married? And what, now I got kids or I don't have kids. Am I ever going to have kids? Why did I have kids? Are the kids going to survive? I'm worried about the kids. Now I'm worried about my health. I'm worried about my aches and my pains. I'm worried about what's in the food. I'm worried about the pesticides I use. I worry about the culture. I'm worried about who's going to be president. I'm worried about terrorism. I'm worried about war. I'm worried about Ebola. I'm worried about school shootings. I'm worried about persecution of Christians. I'm worried about racism. And the list goes on and on and on and on and on. What if there was an antidote to your anxiety? What if it was possible to live like you had nothing to worry about. Let me ask it another way. What if you were to give like you had nothing to worry about? Listen, if you're not a Christ follower, this is worth becoming a Christ follower. What if Jesus offered you something as an antidote to your worry? Good news, he does. You wanna know what it is? Here it is. Security is the antidote to your anxiety. Notice it here in verse 24. He says, consider the ravens. They neither sow nor reap. They have neither storehouse nor barn, and yet God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds? Do you know what the antidote is to anxiety? It's bird watching. Isn't that what Jesus says? How many of you believe you should obey everything you read in the Bible as soon as you read it? You think you should do that? All right, so this is what Jesus says. Consider the ravens. So I just wanna pause for a minute. We just need to obey the Bible here for a minute. Let's just do that. Let's just consider the ravens. Don't you just feel the anxiety leaking out of your body right now? You're like, bird watching? That's for old people who have nothing to do with their time. They're not worried about anything. No. Do you know why God created a raven? So you wouldn't worry. Just wrapping your head around the thought 
that they don't plant anything, they don't harvest anything, they don't ever think about tomorrow. And yet somehow through the millennia, God feeds them. Why? Because God values what he creates. And then Jesus asked the question, don't you know that you are so much more valuable than a stupid bird? That's the antidote, is understanding I am valued by God. That God is concerned about me. God is concerned about whatever you wrote on the list. And God provides everything that raven needs. And if he provides for the raven, he will provide for you as well. He continues in verse 25. It says, which of you by being anxious can add a single hour to his life span? Now, that's a great question. Does everybody understand, understand that anxiety doesn't add to the hours in your life, but anxiety can take hours off? How many of you have actually taken off hours of somebody else's life because they were worried about you, right? You got a dear grandmother, you got a mom and a dad, they were so, it's like, yeah, they're not gonna live as long as they should have because they had me, right? So that, that's what Jesus is saying, the obvious answer. You can't add anything to your life through worry. How's that working out for you? Is this solving anything for you? So then he says in verse 25, he says, if then you are not able to do as small a thing as that, why are you anxious about the rest? I love this. Jesus identifies adding an hour to your life as a small thing for him. That's a big thing for you, right? You understand? Things that seem big to you are small for Jesus. And it's in understanding and embracing his concern, his care, his power to take care of me in the future that removes the roadblock of anxiety for me today. And then he continues. He says in verse 27, consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon, so there was a king in the Old Testament, his name was Solomon. He had an incredible wardrobe. Everybody wanted to dress like him. It says, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these, but if God so clothes the grass, which is alive and in the field today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you? So he says, consider the lilies. You ready? Once again, don't you just feel the anxiety just coming right off? Why did God create lilies? So you wouldn't be anxious. In understanding, how beautiful is that? What an incredible designer. What, what an artist. And if he can beautifully clothe some grass, he can masterfully and beautifully provide for you too. Consider contemplate, don't worry, consider that you are of so much more value than the other stuff that Jesus has created. Isn't that a beautiful thought? All right, he sets you up because the next verse, he's gonna rebuke you. In verse 28, notice what it says. At the end of verse 28, it says, oh, you of little faith. Do you know what he's saying? 
You claim to have this great big God of this great big universe, but you have this itty bitty faith in this great big God to take care of itty bitty you. Oh, you have little faith. This is what Jesus is saying. You have little faith, you're gonna have much worry. You have much faith, you're gonna have little worry. And the same thing translates to the way that we give. He says, little faith creates little generosity. Much faith creates much generosity. And then he tells us in verse 29, do not seek what you are to eat and what you are to drink, nor be worried. Do you see the word seek there in verse 29? Don't seek it. Don't, don't pursue it. Don't chase it. Like a football player that's trying to make a last ditch effort to drag down the guy that's about to screw. Don't, don't pursue, don't chase. Don't try to drag it down, pull it to you. Because he knows that even if you caught it, it wouldn't produce the life you want. It's a roadblock to be anxious about those things. Verse 30, for all the nations of the world, in other words, everybody, it's a universal human condition to seek after things and be anxious and worried about them. For the nations of the world seek after these things and your father knows you need them. Your father doesn't discount that you have needs. He knows you need food. He, need, he knows you need a place to live. He, he knows the spiritual condition of your children. He knows you have a mortgage. He knows you have a job. He knows you're underpaid if you are underpaid. He knows some of you are overpaid. He knows. So why are you worrying about it if you know the Father knows you? What if every time you sensed worry, rising up in your heart. You began to feel that choking sensation. What if you could hear your heavenly father whisper in your ear these words? I know. I know what you need. I know how to supply what you need. Don't worry. I got you. That is the antidote to worry. It is being secure in the heavenly Father's ability to provide for every need. So don't chase after the things that, are, that you put on your list. Don't chase them. There is something we're supposed to chase after. In verse 31, he says this. Instead, instead of chasing those things, chase these things. Seek his kingdom. And these things will be added to you. What are these things? The things you put on your list. The father's concerned about what you put on your list. He's like, you, you want those things to be taken care of? Then you need to trust me to take care of them. What is he saying? He's saying this, I cannot enjoy God's kingdom today while I'm worried about my kingdom tomorrow. I do not need to worry about things I have no control over tomorrow. God wants me to use all of my mental and emotional energy chasing the kingdom of God, trusting him to take care of my own kingdom. Then look at verse 32. He says, fear not, worry not, fear not. Little flock. Don't you think a little flock of sheep running around in the desert 
with wolves and scary animals would have a few things to worry about. He calls us little sheep, but then he says, don't, don't be afraid. Don't, don't be afraid to own that title. I'm just a little sheep. I'm kind of defenseless. I really should have a lot to worry about, but fear not for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. What is the fuel for my generosity? It is the fact that my father has given me far more than I deserve, far more than I need. And it releases the chokehold that anxiety has so I can be free to be extravagantly generous before the Lord. Let me ask you a question. How would you live today if you had nothing to worry about? Because Jesus is saying, you have nothing to worry about. How would you give today if you had nothing to worry about because you have nothing to worry about. He actually answers that question in the next verse. Look at verse 33. He says three things. Sell your possessions, give to the needy, provide for yourselves money bags that do not grow old with treasure in heaven that does not fail where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. So do you see what he's saying? You got nothing to worry about. Sell your possessions, give to the needy, provide for yourself money bags. Let's break those down. Have you ever sold a possession and given the money to God? Apparently that's a regular practice for people that have nothing to worry about. Do you have some stuff you don't need? Do you have some stuff that's of value that could be used if liquidated for the expansion of God's kingdom? What if we really seek God's kingdom? Do we really need all the possessions we have or are the possessions just stuff we're worried about? Do the possessions create a roadblock to seeking God's kingdom? And then he says, give to the needy. There's a lot of needs. There's limitless needs. Jesus said, the poor will always be among you. We'll never be able to meet all the needs in the world. But we don't give to meet the need. We give because we have a need to give it does something in our heart that cannot be done any other way. It releases the anxiety and the control that, and the grip that money has on us. So you should give to the church. You should give to world missions. You should give to the poor. Those should be regular practices. And, and even in your budget, you should have categories for those different things. Giving to the church kind of accomplishes those things because the church has different categories uh, for those things as well. And then he says something that's really crazy. Okay, at the risk of sounding uh, blasphemous, calling Jesus crazy, it doesn't compute with us. Here's what he says. He says, provide for yourselves money bags that do not grow old. Now, let me just ask the ladies, how many of you have more than one purse? Just, just admit it, just own it, just admit it. You got more than one. How many of you bought a purse in the last 12 months to to replace a worn out old money bag. I mean, these, I, under, I don't really understand, but I've been told these things, that there's a fashion consciousness and they have to match the shoes and, and there's a lot of different reasons to have more than one money bag. I understand that. Where would, where would you find a money bag that would never wear out, that would never grow old? There's only one place to get one of those. Where would that be? Heaven. 
where stuff never wears out, it never grows old. Now, now, now think about it. Jesus is telling you to get a bag because you're gonna need a bag to carry around what's on in the inside of it. A money bag full of treasure. He says, you gotta get you one of those. You're gonna need one of those if you sell your possessions, seek his kingdom and give to the needy, there's gonna be a day where you're gonna need a money bag to hold all the stuff that you're gonna possess. Where? Treasure in heaven. What is he saying? He's telling us this. He's telling us that generosity is fueled by a focus on eternity. We get so focused on the money in our bank accounts and the money in our wallet and what our bills are and, and retirement and college tuition and school loan debt and credit card debt and, and how much does that cost? And I'd like to have one of those and, and let me save up for that and I'd like to replace this. All of those things. He says, if you could focus on treasure in heaven, it would radically alter your generosity on earth because generosity is the way that you exchange earthly treasure for heavenly treasure. Let, let me put it this way. How many of you would consider yourselves native northerners? Raise your hand if you're a native northerners. How many of you think that people in the South are dumb? I just, I'm from the South, so be careful. Okay, so listen. Now listen. Some of you, your greatest fear is that God would ever send you to the South. I understand that. But um, let's, let's just pretend for a few minutes, okay? Let's pretend the year is 1865. And you are a business person in the North that needs to go spend a few months in the South. And so you go down to the South and in order to do business and operate down there, in order to pay rent and in order to, you know, afford transportation and food down there, you have to exchange some of your Northern currency for Confederate money. You have to make the exchange. So I just happen to have some Confederate money here. And, um, in order to do business down there, you have to make the exchange. I don't know what the exchange rate would be, but you've, you've got to get some of this because this is the only thing you can spend in the South. They don't take union currency. But what if you were tipped off that within just a couple of days, the Union Army was going to invade the South, Atlanta would fall, and all of the Confederate money would immediately become worthless. If you knew that and you're smart, what would you do so that you could still be rich when the war was over? What would you do? You would exchange as much of your Confederate money as you could live without for the only thing that would have value in the future. You, you would keep some of the Confederate money because you still got to operate, you still got to do business, you still got to eat for a few days, right? What if we had the same mentality about treasure in heaven? What if we really understood we are citizens of his kingdom? We are not living in our homeland. We got to operate down here. We got to do business. You got to have some of this to buy food and, and pay the rent and stuff like that. But as much as we possibly could, we would exchange it for that which would have value 
when the kingdoms of this world become the kingdoms of our God, when the war is over. Question, based on how you've handled this world's money, are you gonna need a money bag in heaven? Because you've exchanged earthly treasure into heavenly treasure? That's what Jesus is teaching. The roadblock to generosity is your anxiety over the earthly treasure. And he said, if you wanna be free from all that, you wanna be more generous, generosity is fueled by a focus on eternity. Look at the last verse here, verse 34. He says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Do you have a heart for God? Do you have a heart for heaven? Do you know how you get a heart for God? you actually direct your money to go toward the kingdom of God. The point is clear. Jesus is saying, money leads, heart follows. You understand that? I, I, I was aware of a guy who uh, went through a very bitter divorce and he was seeing a counselor. And as he was talking to his counselor, he expressed his anger and bitterness toward his former wife because every month he had to write an alimony check. The judge had ordered him to send part of his money to the woman that had hurt him so deeply. And it was, he was bitter and angry about that. And he was asking the counselor, what do I do about that? You know what the counselor told him to do? You should give more than what is required of you. Because he knew the principle. Wherever his money went, his heart would follow. He'd lost his love. He'd lost his heart for his wife, his former wife, and if he had any chance of being reconciled to her, at least dealing with the bitterness and the hatred in his heart, he understood the principle. Wherever your money goes, your heart follows. You wanna have more of a heart for God? Send your money to the things that God is doing in this world. You know how to deal with the anxiety? You sense the anxiety raising up? Look for where God is at work in this world and invest financially in it. He, it's because our home is in heaven. We're citizens of the kingdom. That's why we have an extravagant generosity. You wanna deal with the anxiety? Do two things. Number one, every morning, get up, transfer the ownership of everything you have to God. It all belongs to you, Lord. I'm gonna trust you. Today, I'm gonna spend my time worrying about your kingdom, trusting you're gonna worry about mine. I'm not gonna worry about mine. No anxiety, trusting you. You know, consider the ravens, consider the lilies. You feed them, you clothe them, you provide for them in beautiful ways. You're gonna do that for me, I'm trusting that. Secondly, invest in where you see the kingdom of God growing. Pastor Trent Griffith has been reminding us about the connection between our faith, our anxiety level, and our generosity. If you'd like to review this program or any past programs on Resonate, just go to mygospelcity.org resonate. Gospel City Church exists to glorify God and make disciples. If you'd like to learn more about Gospel City, I'd invite you to check out mygospelcity.org. Be sure to look up our short video about our four pillars. You can find it on our What We Believe page under the About tab. That video explains both why and how we go about glorifying God and making disciples. Again, our web address is mygospelcity.org. You can also find information there about gathering times and locations, both online or in person. 
And next time you're on Facebook, why not follow us for more helpful content? You can do so when you search for Gospel City Church. Well, I hope your Thanksgiving celebration this week is a time of joy and gratitude. And keep the big picture in mind, as we heard today, Christians have nothing to worry about at all. Well, thanks for listening today. I'm Aaron Paulus, and my prayer is that contentment, faith, and God's Word would resonate in your heart this week. Resonate with Trent Griffith is a ministry of Gospel City Church. Visit us online at mygospelcity.org.